Grace, Peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. I am your host, Nick Milkey, and we're hanging out. We are actually, a little peek behind the curtain, we are pre-recording this week's episode, so I'm going to tell you it's Sunday night, but it's not really Sunday night. It's just a little, you know, tease, a little bit of something different, um, but it is the middle of the week. I hope everybody's having a great week, or if you're seeing this on Sunday evening, or if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast that will drop next week. Wherever you are in time and space, I hope you're doing fantastic. I hope the world is treating you well. I hope that you enjoyed whatever the most recent episode of The Bad Batch is. Wasn't that thing that happened amazing, whatever it was? Um, I'm sure it was exciting because Dave Filoni never lets us down. Um, But we're here. We're here to do what we do, which is talk Star Wars, to have a great conversation, to hang out with a fun guest. And this week is no exception. Um, I am thrilled to bring on this week. We have author... Amy Richau. Richau, I forgot to ask when we started how to say that the right way. So I'm going to let her correct me as soon as she gets on screen. But Amy is an author. She has worked for StarWars.com, Star Wars Insider. She has an amazing Twitter project called Star Wars 365 that I'm going to get her to talk about. And she has also, in this last year, released a book called I Love You, I Know, Lessons in Love and Friendship. I think we all know where that stems from. There's two very iconic people on the cover of that book, and it's certainly going to inform part of our top seven list that we talk about tonight, but it is my pleasure to bring on and welcome Amy. Amy, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Please tell me how to pronounce your last name oh, right well, you up got, front. You got it the second time, which is honestly impressive. It's Rickow. It's not obvious. Okay. Most people think I, it's French. I, it's more German. <laughs> it's my husband. You know, I'm like, it's my husband's name. No one knows how to say I, it. <laughs> I understand. I, I have a German last name as well, so um, it never gets pronounced. I don't pronounce it right either. I probably don't pronounce <laughs> it the actual German way, um, but Rickow. So Amy Rickow, thank you so much for joining Podcast of the Wheels tonight and hanging out and spending time with us. Give me a quick little introduction about yourself. I know we were talking before we got on air. Um, you have a family and just give us a quick introduction to who Amy is. Yeah, so I am uh kind of lifelong Star Wars fan, like, you know, a whole bunch of people, no matter, you know, when you were born or kind of when you got into it. And uh, I live outside of Boulder, Colorado with my husband, two kids. Um, I, we were just sharing about how, like, I had two kids go through graduation ceremonies and, you know, it's like, whew, like, <laughs> <laughs> let's say goodbye to this school year. That's um, right. And I have been basically, I, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. Uh, I was a film archivist before that actually had a very brief stand at Lucasfilm uh, archives, which was really, you know, that was really amazing. And then uh, stayed home for a while and then decided to try writing kind of creatively. And then that kind of spun into me trying to do it, you know, a little bit more professionally and, you know, and that's where I'm at right now, still trying to make a go of it. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, I know lots of people are jealous of you and I have been really lucky over the last several weeks, especially to have guests on this show who, essentially some or all of their job is Star Wars. I've had Heather Antos that works in comics. I've had the guys that work on the old Republic video game, the tops digital Star Wars card trader. Like I've had all these people and you're no exception that like you get to work for Star Wars, which that's the dream for all of us. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, but, but, and, and I want to dig into that some more, but before we do that, we have some important business to do up front. And I think your conversation about, this school year and getting to the end of this school year is perfectly the appropriate way to transition into this, which is we have to have our um, our signature cocktail for the week. And so I'm going to get this up on the screen for all of you who are listening on the audio version. I've got the recipe card. You can find it on our Instagram page at Will's Pod. 
But our cocktail this week is called Amy's Olive Juice I Know. And this is a very classic dirty martini. Um, I'm going to pull the screen back up because usually I try to make mine on camera and not spill it on my computer, which is usually the move. Um, This isn't the appropriate glass for a martini, but it's got the Millennium Falcon on it. So how can I not use it? Um, Yes. So I've got some ice in here. I've got my olives already kind of garnished up on a toothpick. I threw the brine in here, but that's all I've done so far. So I've got my gin, super classy, cheap, Seagram's extra dry. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely measuring it because that's not really my move. Um, so we're going to throw that in there. And then I had to go to the store today to buy vermouth. And I didn't know where necessarily I was supposed to find vermouth, but it's in the wine section. And I was informed by my best friend, Jason, that it's just a little touch, not much. So we're going to go with that. I'm going to give it a stir because to disappoint James Bond, this cocktail will be stirred, not shaken. And I'm going to raise my glass to you, Amy. Thanks for being on tonight. I'm cheating and I have an old fashioned, uh, but but thank you for having me. Absolutely. Cheers to you. Mm, tastes like I'm drinking pickles. Um, so we've got the important stuff out of the way. We got a drink in hand. So now we can move forward. Um, you mentioned just a little bit lifelong Star Wars fan. Tell us a little bit about your Star Wars origin story. How did you first saw Star Wars? You know, the impact that it had on you growing up. And I would think even specifically, and this is a conversation I've had with several people lately. And I've mentioned to you, I live in a house with five women. I have a wife and four daughters who all have varying interest in Star Wars. And so growing up with Star Wars and especially growing up with Star Wars as a female may have been a different, certainly was a different experience than I had. Um, But tell us about your Star Wars origin story. Sure. So I'm like firmly in the Gen X generation. Uh, I was four years old when A New Hope came out and I have a very vague memory of seeing it, but basically just you know, seeing the Death Star kind of blow up. Like that's like literally like all I remember. But what I remember from A New Hope is seeing all the toys. Like mm-hmm. and my parents like immediately got me a whole bunch of the toys and my sister and we were playing with it and we were dressing up as the characters for, you know, Halloween. And uh, my, my story about seeing Empire Strikes Back is always kind of, it always cracks me up because I was just terrified of Luke. I mean, I'm not terrified of Luke. I was terrified of Yoda. I was terrified that Yoda was going okay. to Luke because I felt like it was dark <laughs> and it was creepy. I think I was maybe seven. Uh, and my dad was just constantly like, you know, it's going to be fine. Like, <laughs> it's not a bad guy. <laughs> Lots of parental reassurance. Please stop talking. So, you know, I can enjoy the movie. Uh, which, you know, now that I've taken my kids to Star Wars movies, it's relatable. Uh, but for me, I was 10 when Return of the Jedi came out. That was kind of like a crappy friend year for me at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of a hard age, you know, like where sure. you're kind of entering puberty and like all of it, everything is just kind of going haywire. And um, I think that that's one of the reasons why I really latched onto it is because I was feeling kind of lost and kind of like alone and it was such an escapist thrill. And I just immediately wanted to be in that world. Um, And so, you know, I, you know, joined all, you know, the fan club, I sent, you know, letters to Carrie Fisher, like telling her, you know, like how I thought she was so amazing uh, and really just, you know, started collecting some stuff, definitely asked for star Wars stuff for every, you know, Christmas, I had the epic Christmas where I got Ewok Village and the Wicked Plush. Wow. And that was like amazing. Um, and, you know, really, it just kind of stayed with me. And I think as a woman, like as a young girl, 
Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I knew one other girl who liked Star Wars, and it was kind of like our dirty little secret, you know. Like we didn't sure. mention, and like, but like when we were like at each other's houses, we would like you know watch Star Wars or talk about Star Wars and like have like play with figures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I feel like until I kind of embraced social media, uh, which you know, for all the bad things, to <laughs> me, it's overall been amazing. Like to me, social media has been is is. It's an integral part of my later Star Wars story. Sure. Um, until really that happened, like I really felt like I only had one, you know, through my 20s and my 30s, like I would have like one woman who like either I was working with or I was friends with locally who was a Star Wars fan. But that was kind of it. Like that was like it was never a community. Okay. Um, I really didn't do a lot of like the early like 90s and 2000s, like. I didn't, I was, I was online a little bit with the fan stuff, but not a lot. Just like, I just didn't feel connected to it. And I felt like it was really kind of a personal thing and it wasn't kind Mm -hmm. of a community thing. Now I really, really think it's a community thing. Like to me, it's very, very community based. Um, Without a doubt. But, but, you know, for most of my life, like, you know, I was, you know, collecting, you know, I went to antique malls, like all throughout the nineties, like I was really big into that. and Star Wars is, you know, it's one of the reasons why I became a film archivist is because mm-hmm. I was really into the behind the scenes features. Like Absolutely. I saw like, like the classic creatures Return of the Jedi. Like I saw that like, I mean, a ridiculous number of times. <laughs> uh, and, you know, when George Lucas would say that he was inspired by a movie, like I would seek out that movie. When other people from ILM would give interviews and say like they were inspired by this or that, like I would seek all those movies out, which really helped create, and my dad and my mom, both my parents really loved movies. My dad was a huge classic movie lover. And so I really just had a lot of access to classic movies. And that really, you know, ended up being one of the reasons why I became a film archivist, which led to, uh, you know, it was, it was like 2004, 2005, it was right before, Revenge of the Sith came out. I was able to okay. work at the um, at Skywalker Ranch. It was before the Presidio. It was right before the Presidio opened. Okay, I'm in San Francisco. I was able to work at the the film archive, uh, which was amazing. Uh, and like you know, as truly a Star Wars dream come true. My commute was, I think, an hour and forty five minutes each way. Uh, <laughs> because but it didn't matter. It didn't matter, you know. But like my husband, you know, he, we were just dating. We were kind of like almost engaged at that point, and. Uh, we were living where, you know, he lived, which was in Mountain View and, you know, Mountain View to Marin. Like if you are familiar with, you know, the Bay Area, like those are not close. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we used to joke that between the gas and the toll of the Golden Gate Bridge, like I probably didn't even make any money on that job. (laughs) But then I didn't care (laughs) because my husband was also a Star Wars fan. So I was kind of able to bring him up to Skywalker Ranch and my sister. And so, you know, that that was a very, very uh, special you know, it was a very, very special time. And it was right before we moved to Colorado and then got married and then I had kids. Sure. Um, and then kind of, of took, I didn't really take a break from Star Wars, but like Star Wars kind of took a back seat. Like I didn't see the Clone Wars film in theaters. And when I look back, I was like, why didn't I see that in the theaters? Like you would think that I would see it in the theaters. And I'm like, oh, I just had a baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> there baby were some died. things going on. There were yeah. some things going on. Um, but it was right. Well- it was right around like 2015, uh, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was before, a little bit before 2015, I guess, but it was right when The Force Awakens kind of hype was starting. And I think that I've talked to so many people, especially people at my age, where they just kind of felt like, you know, they felt an awakening, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know? And that was the first time I really kind of, I was looking for something creative to do. 
Right. Um, something that was kind of purely kind of my thing on the side, even though I was mostly still staying at home and doing like volunteer work and stuff like that. Um, but that's kind of when I found, you know, like Star Wars Twitter, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it always sounds so horrible, but like, <laughs> I love, like I love Star Wars Twitter because like I just have met so many amazing people Absolutely. Um, and I've had so many, so many opportunities from it. Uh, but that's kind of when I like, you know, dipped my toes into that. Uh, and then, you know, the, the last few years have just kind of been me embracing that community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really such an interesting point. And I understand, you know, I am, I was born in 78. And so I'd also grew up with the original trilogy. I of course didn't get to see star Wars in the theater, but I saw, I mean, Return of the Jedi um, at a drive-in in the back of my parents' station wagon when it came out, um, you know, and so I grew up in that same era, like you're talking about, and had, I was halfway through college when the prequels came out, you know, and having a different experience, certainly social media wasn't a thing at that point. Um, but I really, and I want to dig on this for just a minute, you talking about the Star Wars Twitter community in particular, like I've had this podcast for three years. I started this in 2018. And we did a little bit of stuff because Twitter was there and I've had Twitter, I think since like 2010 or something, whenever I first had Twitter on a personal level and Twitter certainly has evolved, you know, over the years, obviously like anything technology and social media certainly has the tendency to do, but I tend to agree with you. Like your star Wars Twitter experience really has a lot of what you make of it built into it. Like, you can go down those really negative paths and there are some really horrible Star Wars fans and har horrible Star Wars Twitter communities. You know, you can get sucked into, you know, the arguments, the complaining, the it was supposed to be this way. That's not my whoever character. That's not my Star Wars. Or you can do what I tend to do most of the time. I'm not going to say that I don't have moments where I have to stick my toe in and, you know, insert whatever I think my wrong opinion is. But like Star Wars, it's supposed to be fun. And for me, especially in this last year, like my Star Wars Twitter community level has ratcheted up about a hundred times because we've all been at home and we've all been quarantined and we've all, I mean, the podcasting community alone, live streams. I started the live stream version of this podcast 20 episodes ago. Before that, it was strictly audio only, but it was really the influence of seeing other people that I've gotten to know through this podcasting community around the galaxy, Holo Chronicles, Bob Magcast, um, you know, watching these shows, making friends in the live chat because we're all tuning in to watch a show and laugh and comment. And I've said for a while now, in the last year, Star Wars Twitter, the good parts of it, and the Star Wars podcasting community that I feel like I interact in the most has really been that pub that I haven't been able to go to for the last year. We're on a Friday night. If somebody's got a live stream, I can pour a drink, hang out, watch the show and engage with people who feel, you know, mostly the way I do, because you get to kind of pick and choose where you interact. And I think that's something that is really great. And it gives me the opportunity to connect, to connect with somebody like you and to have you come on this show. It was because I sent a direct message and said, hey, I do this thing and I'd love to talk to you about what you do. Right. Um and so it makes the world smaller in a lot of really good ways. And yeah, there's bad stuff out there, but we have the opportunity to even be, you know, the light. And I love, you know, to borrow a line from Rise of Skywalker, there's more of us, you know, there's more positive Star Wars Twitter out there than there is the negative. And sometimes we just have to crowd out, you know, those voices. We started with a group of our folks months ago, hashtag spark of positivity, because 
that's what it should be. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something that we're passionate about, not something that we get angry and, you know, feel like all we can do is yell at each other. And so there are those frustrating moments, but I've always appreciated in following your feed for a while now, the positivity that comes out of the stuff that you do, the projects that you're doing. Talk about that aspect of it being positive on certainly on Star Wars Twitter, but even maybe tie that into Star Wars 365 and the Star Wars Women 365 that I know you've been doing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy. We're all human. It's so easy to get wrapped up into like negative stuff and, you know, like say stuff like at the heat of the moment, like everyone's going to screw up. I've screwed up. Like that's just definitely going to happen. Um, I feel like my Twitter experience, like I'm not a person who like really shares a lot of hot takes. Like I don't do a lot of like rankings, like all like a lot of things that kind of tend to like set people off. Like I don't really do. And so I think that that is kind of, you know, shielded me from, you know, I'm, I'm like a reference. I'm a Star Wars reference geek. Like, <laughs> and so like I'm not trying to tell you who the best, you know, that I like women are. I just want to tell you who they are. Who they are. <laughs> like and just and like if you're interested in them, like here's where you can learn, you know. Mm-hmm more about them. Uh, so like I was kind of really not super active on Twitter until January, I guess it was 2018 because it was right after The Last Jedi came out. Okay. Uh, and But I decided to, um, I decided that I wanted to have some sort of Twitter project. I'd seen some some like, you know, like monthly challenges where mm-hmm. you know, like, people would like give you like a little thing and like, you you know, what is your favorite Jedi? Like what's your, you know, if you added color of a lightsaber, what would you have, you know, stuff right. like that. I kind of wanted to do something like that just to kind of challenge myself to write more. And then just to kind of, mm-hmm. I was kind of at the point where I was like, I'm either not going to be a part of Star Wars social media or I'm going to embrace it. Like I was kind of like, right. at a, you know, board. and I mean, everyone knows that the last Jedi like just caused like an enormous havoc. <laughs> no, but nobody has opinions about media. that one. Yeah, I know. So, and I think, so what I decided to do and it was very lit last minute, uh, all like very late in December of the year before, I decided to, and at first it was just going to be a tweet a day about a Star Wars woman. And basically mm-hmm. what I meant by that was a character from the films, TV shows, comics, video games, canon legends, or women who work behind the scenes. Like that was basically, you know, because honestly, I was like, I don't even know if there are 365 <laughs> <laughs> characters, you know, like I didn't like have a big plan of like what I was going to do. Uh, but then I decided to also kind of have a website so I could have a little bit more information. And that started uh, January 2018 and really just immediately embraced. Like I thought I was going to get completely hammered because it was like a female driven project about women and Star Wars. I thought I was going to be a magnet for like all kinds of, you know, stuff and I would be blocking people constantly. But that really didn't happen. Um, And I really was able to find my community by people who were immediately embracing and sharing this project. Um, you know, people who were, who worked professionally for Star Wars, people who work at Lucasfilm, like, you know, started to follow me and share it immediately. And like, that was very, very inspiring to kind of, you know, keep going. And so that year I did do every day, mm-hmm. um, a post. And I think that it was, I think one reason that it was really kind of nice and helped me kind of embrace the community is that because my posts weren't controversial in any way. Right. They weren't about The Last Jedi. I intentionally didn't do any <laughs> Last Jedi characters until near the end of the year just because mm-hmm. I, you know, I just didn't want to. I was kind of waiting for it to come out, you know, so I so I could take screenshots too on like home videos. <laughs> but um I think because it just was, you know, a positive thing, but it wasn't like, I mean, because like there's always it's always tricky because like you don't want to be the person that's like 
every single thing that Star Wars does is perfect. Nothing right. that, you know, that Star Wars doesn't need to change, like suck it up if you don't like it. Like, you know, I don't want to be that kind of positive. Sure. Um, but I don't want to, I think it's great to criticize. I, I think film criticism is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of what, you know, but I think that just like a tweet saying a film is garbage is not film criticism. Right. It's that person venting. And That's right. like, that is not ever interesting to me because part of my love of Star Wars was falling in love with the creators. Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for the people who make Star Wars productions. Absolutely. I, it's not that I'm not going to say if I don't like something or if I say that I want to see more of something and like they're not doing it or if I feel like they made a mistake. Like I've said, you know, like I'm, I, I've, I don't say it a lot, but like I, you know, I, I usually I just kind of ignore things that I don't like and then just move on because to me, like sure. I just don't, I don't have the time and the energy to, you know, you know, right. to do what a lot of other people seem to have tons of energy for. I don't know if they enjoy doing it or not. They seem miserable to me, but like so much, you're just like, well, you might be getting something out of it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Seems kind of unhealthy, but, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to mute you. Uh, but so I think that that really kind of, you know, that's what it, it was helpful to kind of like, you know, I wanted I wanted to write about Star Wars. I think I had already started writing for StarWars.com before that. Mm. Uh, Trisha Barr has a website called Fan, you know, Fangirl, she well, she has Fangirl Scoring Rogue, the the podcast, and then she has right. a website. And I had been writing for that website, and she was very kind because I said I want to write for StarWars.com. Would you recommend me? And she was very nice enough to do that. Um, but like that, really kind of I think me people knew who I was. Right. People Lucasfilm started to know who I was because of that, and you know, especially when I started interviewing women who worked behind the scenes. Um, I think a lot of it's kind of an easy sell, even though like I'm not a super well-known person. Like I don't have a huge Twitter follower like base at all. Sure. Um, my website doesn't get like a super amount of, you know, clicks or anything like that. But when you approach someone and you're like, I have this project where I'm interviewing women who worked in star Wars, like, would you like to be a part of that? It turns out that a lot of people will say yes. Like the hardest part is actually getting the contact information for the people in right. some cases. But usually when I talk to people like, a lot of them will say yes. Um, and so that's been really, that's been really great. And really like, I didn't even, I, it didn't even occur to me that anyone would, would want to do an interview with me until several months into the project. Mm -hmm. And then that has kind of become one of the main things that I'm proud of with the project. Um, because I want every person and especially every young girl, like I've had, a, I've had a lot of people on it. I've had a lot of dads tell me that they've shared the project with their daughters. Mm -hmm. which to me is like, you know, that's like, the best, yep. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted to happen. Yeah. Um, as as a girl dad, anything that open and like, and like I said, I told you before, I have twins, and my oldest of the two twins, she's only a minute older than her sister, but she's technically the oldest. Yes. Um, she's the one that's the most like me, so she has always gravitated to Star Wars, and she's always been my little Star Wars buddy, and she'll sidle up to me, hey, can we watch Rebels on the couch? Hey, you know, when Mandalorian Season 2 came out, we woke up at 5.30 every Friday morning to watch it before she went to school, because she knew I wouldn't wait for her to get <laughs> home. Um, and so I've always had that bond, and then her middle sister, her, her twin sister, kind of push back against it a little bit because she wants to form her own identity, which I'm fully in support of. And early on, our big favorite joke is that she gravitated to Indiana Jones. And so we had Indy and Han Solo and the day the light bulb came on and they realized that was the same guy was just magical for them. But 
then she kind of went Harry Potter and then Titanic has been a big thing for a long time. But here very recently, she has decided she wants to get more interested in Star Wars, but she wants to like, she wants a character. Like she wants a person that is like, that's my jam. That's my person. Like she's very, you know, Harper, my oldest is more into it for like the big picture and the fun and the excitement and the adventure. But Lily is very much like, she's my reader. Like she's the one that she wants to pick somebody and get. And so like when we, we started with rebels for her, I was like, let's start with rebels because you've got Hera, you've got Sabine, you've got Ahsoka that come like, there's people that I know she will be interested in and she's our, and, but she also has a little Imperial in her. So she's also like, I want those guys. I want to know more about that. And she wants to know everything. So projects like what you do speak to my heart. And especially again, as a girl, dad, like they can be whoever they want. Harper's favorite character is Han Solo. That's fantastic. She's been Han Solo for Halloween three years in a row. And she may be for the next five. That's what I want her to do because that's what she wants. But I want them to know, what you're saying. And I'm also, it speaks to me when you talk about all the behind the scenes and not only, you know, getting to talk to an Ashley Eckstein or, a, you know, a, somebody that performs, but cinematographers, camera folks, writers, producers, like anybody that you get to interview to give those people exposure to, because I'm such a sucker for process and behind the scenes right. and, you know, all of that. And that's like, I like you, that's part of what endears me to star Wars overall is, when I learned as a kid that they had ping pong tables set up in a parking lot in the Valley and they drove past them in a Jeep with a camera to make all those passing shots of the death star, I was hooked. Like, tell me how you made all of this. Right. And so like, you know, I love last Jedi a lot as a movie, but almost as much. I love the director in the Jedi, which is the documentary that goes along with it and talks about Ryan Johnson and Ram Bergman and how much they love these stories and wanted to do those same kinds of things. So what you do, especially like you said, opening doors for girls um, to see that wider Star Wars world, I think is so special. And it just it makes me happy every time I see your posts go up. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I, no, absolutely. Like one of my favorite interviews was last year and it was like right when COVID was hitting and it was with Debs Patterson who directed um, the Skywalker legacy documentary. Mm -hmm. She would basically, you know, she was on the set of the Rise of Skywalker every single day. Um, and also, if you've seen that documentary, it's a lot about kind of like the whole you know, mm -hmm. series. It like, like there's a lot of like fun Mark Hamill stuff. Um, but I was thrilled to be able to chat with her because like, you know, I think that like, you know, even more than making, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't see myself as making a Star Wars movie, but I'm like, how can I get on her crew to like just shadow, you know, shadow the making of that film? Because, you know, I think that that it's kind of like a sub community of Star Wars, the people who are just, you know, completely enthralled with the process, like you said. Um, and I really want every girl who looks at this 365 Star Wars Women project to see someone like her. You know, see some, see young people, see old people, see people who, you know, do all different kinds of things. Um, you know, people who are of all different races, you know, like, and just really, I want it to be as diverse as possible. So everyone feels like, Star Wars is for them because for a lot of the women that I've interviewed, like there was a woman in gaming that I interviewed and she said that, you know, the big moment for her was when she saw women accept an award at a, you know, she was watching on TV, like a gaming, uh, like award show. And she saw some women and she was like, I don't even know that, you know, she's like, it sounds ridiculous, but like, I didn't even know that women were doing that. Those right. things. She's like, I mm -hmm. like, I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's right. Extremely 
powerful. And for me, like, I'm very aware that like, I'm a white, straight brunette. Sure. Like, every female hero in Star Wars movies looks like me. Right. And, you know, like, but it's not all about me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it has to be about everyone. Absolutely. Star Wars has made some strides, made some missteps, you sure. know, like along the way with diversity. But I think that, you know, I think that the Disney Plus shows are going to give them an opportunity to really, you know, catch up. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think that's such an important point. And I even, you know, talking about the video game aspect of it, it just made me remember, um, I made a joke a while back that I've been late to the whole video game thing. I had playstations and stuff in college, but as a grown up with kids and a job and all that, like I just haven't found time to play video games, but very graciously, a buddy of mine back in January stopped by my house and he's like, Hey, here's a PlayStation four. So I've been getting caught up on fallen order battlefront Two, all these things that, you know, I've heard people talk about for the last couple of years. Great stories, both of them. They do. And that's what I love about it. And so yeah. I was playing battlefront two and Harper came out and I had at that time I had it set up out here in my studio and she was like, I really want to play that. And the dad, I don't know if it was the dad in me, the boy in me, whatever it was, but I went, I think it's going to be too hard. And I, it was hard for me. I don't know how to both joystick. Like I'm terrible at it. But I had that moment where I was like, I don't know. I mean, and I came home one day from work or something and she had just come out here and jumped right in. She's like, dad, this game is awesome. And I was like, you're probably better at it. Me. And that was my fault for discounting sure. the fact that, that easy you know, to do like, yeah, yeah, it just, and, and so, you know, part of it may have been just a kid thing, but either way, but there's like a million 11 year olds that could whip my butt in all these games. So I don't know really what I'm talking about, but I do think it's such an important thing that you do. And it's so special that you have that eye for, wanting that to be a part of it. And I think that what ties into that too is you've hit on this tone and this idea of relationships. And I think that that's important too, because there's, you know, the relationships of the creators of these films that we love so much. There's the actors, the, you know, the writers, the directors, there's all of that, but there's, and then we've talked a little bit about the Twitter relationships and what those can be versus what sometimes they are. And that has to have informed on some level the fact that you got to write a book. And I want you to talk about that. Um, and so we have, we have to talk about, I love you. I know lessons in love and friendship. So talk about that process and the inspiration to write the book and a little bit about it. Yeah. So how that happened is uh, I think it was late, like mid late June of last year. Um, so, you know, kind of right in the middle of, you know, when COVID was, you know, no one knew what was going on. And uh, I got an email from an editor at DK Books and she said, you know, like we have this book and she told me, you know, the title and kind of what it was going to be about. And she's like, we, we want to know if you want to write the text for it. And you're like, kind of like, huh, like, yes. You know, like, you know, like, obviously, like does anyone say no to that? <laughs> yeah, of course uh, I do. Know, like, um, and so they basically, and so we had a great time. Like we, we had kind of a tight deadline, but the Pamela Afram was my editor and she was delightful to work with. And we basically brainstormed a whole bunch of different relationships that could be in the book. Um, she kind of already come up with the different uh, subjects of like family. It's complicated, true love. Um, I like to joke that the entire book should have probably been called Star Wars. I love you. I know it's complicated, <laughs> you know, like, cause you know, all good relationships are complicated. In Absolutely. Ways. In Star Wars, you know, like they all are. 
Um, and then, you know, we worked together to come up with kind of, it was, it was interesting because he was coming up with the pairs, coming, mm -hmm. you know, wanted to embrace as many of the films, as many of the characters as possible, coming up with a lesson. All of them had to be kind of different. Um, you know, there are some characters that pop up a lot more, you know, than others, like Han Solo's in there a lot, Anakin's in there a lot, because they're just in a lot more of the movies sure. and have kind of individual relationships with characters that we wanted to include, like Lando and Kira. Um, and then, you know, wrote the text for it. And it was a really, like, it was definitely the bright, you know, the bright light of my year last year was getting to do this. Like, I had been joking literally for years about how I wanted to write not only just a Star Wars reference book, but like a DK Star Wars reference book. <laughs> I love the Star Wars DK books so much. Right. I have so, so many of them. Yes. And, <laughs> like, as so many probably people who can relate to who are exactly. here. Um, and so, I mean, it was, it was a huge, it was a huge validation of the work that I had done. Um, I know I'm not exactly sure how my name came up, but I'm sure that like, you know, I working at starwars.com, I had been, uh, assigned to write to, I had pitched a couple of articles to Star Wars Insider right before the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and Star Wars Insider had to kind of go on a hiatus for a while. Right. Um, and so like, but like people at Lucasfilm knew I was doing that stuff. And so I think that that was helpful, you know, just cause like, you know, like the more editors and stuff you work with. Um, and yeah. I know that some people, you know, I've, I've since heard that, you know, some people who kind of, you know, are more, much more kind of professional Star Wars people than I am have had kind of thrown my name out there. And I think that that is really kind of, you know, people always joke about how like, I mean, Star Wars is huge. It's massive. Yes. But when it comes to Star Wars social media, like it's a pretty small world. <laughs> like, I mean, it really like if you, you know, and I think that it, it pays to, you know, not be a jerk. And, and you know, right. like, I mean, like, and I think that like that, you know, was very, you know, I, I, I think it was, I kind of, you know, created a little bit of goodwill. And I mean, I just really think I was just super lucky. I mean, it was the, it was the best email I think I've ever received. Um, and I will always be so thankful for it. Cause what was interesting about it is that with the 365 project, I really focused on individuals and mm -hmm. I really wanted it to be like with Lyra Urso, like this is the easiest one to like with Lyra Urso. I didn't want, you know, like when I make like little trading cards for a lot of the people that I like give out at conventions and I wanted like, like to have like a one kind of sentence or a couple words mm -hmm. of who they are. And like, I didn't want for Lyra Urso to be like, she's Galen's wife. <laughs> like, you know, like I wanted it to be like, she's a scientist. Like that's like the number, you know, she's a scientist and she's also Jin's mom, you know, like, but stuff like that. But like, who are these people individually? It was an interesting kind of process to really focus on like people individually, because normally you just think of them as kind of, I thought of them as a part of an ensemble, a part of a huge sure. interweaving interweave story. And with Star Wars, I love you. I keep on like, I'm like, I have it over here. And so I'm like, <laughs> I keep that's on awesome. Yeah. I was like, oh. but, um, but for that, I was really thinking about, twos and pairs, mm -hmm. whether they were romantic or not. Most of these pairs are not romantic because like a lot of the relationships are, you know, either family or found family or just, you know, super great friendships or, you know, like there were mentors or, you know, teachers. Like, I mean, there's just so many relationships um, that are just so great in Star Wars, but it was really, really interesting to rewatch a lot of Star Wars content. You know, like I kind of like fast forwarded through the sequel trilogy and just watched Finn and Poe or uh -huh. just watched Ray 
and Finn, you know, like, and, and you really can kind of, you know, get down to like, why is their relationship important? What, what, what makes it different from other people's relationships? Right. And so I really, I really enjoy that because I mean, like so many Star Wars fans, like I've seen all of these movies a kajillion times. <laughs> and so Correct. to have the ability to look at it in a different way, mm -hmm. um, I thought was, was really, was really fun for me. And, you know, it was a bit of a challenge uh, because it was, it wasn't, I wasn't writing a reference essay about, you know, Ray and, and Ben. I was writing what is kind of like a lesson that would be relevant to everyone, no matter how you feel about Rain Ben, mm -hmm. um, that like, you know, that you can take from this. And my editor was super, super helpful with that. And it really, I think it just made me, it made me a much better writer. Uh, and, sure. and yeah, and it was, and it was just super, uh, super fun. Well, and I, I think that's such an interesting point. And I've thought about that before with the idea of, Yes, we've seen these movies a bajillion times. I can quote them in my sleep, you know, even the newer ones. But to watch it for a specific purpose or with a specific lens on, like you're watching, looking at pairs and interactions with, you know, looking at that assignment writing, as I like to call it, whether that's the right, you know, term or not. No, I mean, um, really, like the way this podcast originally started is um, my co host that isn't on right now because he's got a bunch of busy life stuff going on. Steve, shout out to Steve. Uh, when we started it, the idea was we had both come from working in various church and religious backgrounds. And so the idea was, we said the podcast that treats star Wars, like a sacred text. There was a, there's a podcast called Harry Potter and the sacred text. And they kind of gave us this idea, but we looked at star Wars, the first one, and we broke it down into categories. And so the first episode was about, you know, partnership. And we watched the first few minutes of Star Wars and it, you know, R2 and 3PO and that whole deal. And then basically we said, we're having a Bible study, but instead of using the Bible, we're using Star Wars. What are the lessons we take from it? What are the, because that's where a lot of it is steeped in anyhow, is lore and mythology and all these different, you know, aspects. And so that gave me a different way to watch the movies. And especially because like that first episode was from minute zero to minute 17. And so I only had those, you know, blinders on for that part of it. Um, I love listening to the star Wars minute guys. And to me, that's another version where they watch every star Wars movie one minute at a time. And so each episode is like minute 37 of the last Jedi or whatever. And so when you only have those 60 seconds where there's a hard in and a hard out, you can only like, you start to notice other things or, you know, how does it hit you differently? And so I think that's such a great, a fun exercise for you. And I have to imagine that it made you a better writer and a better creator overall because you're focusing on different things and you're kind of refining different stuff. You talked about the different 30 day challenges. I just saved one on my phone the other day that I think I'm going to do in June. And I think it's an, a 30 day Ahsoka challenge. I don't know where I saw it, but I saved the picture of it. And it's like your favorite Ahsoka in, you know, Clone Wars, your favorite Ahsoka in Rebels, you know, there's something different for each day. Right. And to me, I love, I love the discipline of that to be able to just go, I'm going to think about something intentionally every day in some way, shape or form. And I just, I think that's neat. And so for you to get to have that experience and then turn it into a book is even better. Yeah. I mean, cause I will say that like, you know, having, you know, if I've been writing, you know, for starwars.com. So, so like somewhat professionally, but like obviously just a freelancer um, for several years, like when you start writing for star Wars and then start writing for star Wars insider, like you're like trying to think of pitches, you're trying to do this, you're trying to catch up with all of like, 
the books and the comics because you want to be able to write about, you know, you want people to think you're a Star Wars expert, you know, you want to be that expert and so you want to like kind of keep that up. And so you like trying to like play the games and do everything. And like, obviously I don't, I don't do any of that that I don't want to do. Like to sure. me, it's all a joy, but you know, I do try to kind of like try to keep up with a lot of these different things. And sometimes you'll kind of catch yourself and be like, I haven't watched a Star Wars movie in a while. <laughs> you know? Like, and like, so it, it really, to me, it's funny because like a lot of times I'll just like kind of have them on like in the background or something. Uh, like when I'm working, or, but you know, but sometimes you just like, you know, you don't want to like be like a Star Wars person, but like never actually like take the time to That's watch, right. to watch yeah. it for fun. And I have had moments when I have felt like, you know, I think that with 365, like I was kind of like, I wasn't, that was such a, you know, kind of an intense year of like figuring out doing all these things. And I was never scheduled out very much. And so like, I would kind of like dive into a comic and I was like, I wish I could read this entire comic series, but I am not even going to read the whole comic. <laughs> like, I'm just right. gonna, like I'd kind of dip in, I was like a ninja. It's like dip in, dip out, come in, you know, like you sneak in, grab that thing and then come out. Uh, and, you know, hope that I don't say something completely inaccurate. <laughs> about Well, it. and that, and that's an interesting point too, because we, we, we are in such a bounty of Star Wars riches, especially right now, between the films we've gotten, the films we know that are coming up. Disney Plus has added all these new shows to the shows we already had, like Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, that kind of stuff. But then we've got this new era with the High Republic books. We have comic books that are still like you can go as deep or as shallow as you want on Star Wars right now. And I think that's right. so great. And I I I want to consume all of it, but I know I can't and won't. And so yeah, like, and I don't eat, I don't, I'm never successful. Yeah, either. Comic like, books, but. comic books are a huge gap for me. I read all the old EU books back in high school when we were in that in between time between the right. original trilogy and the prequels. And that was a big deal for me, but I struggle with the new books now, not because I don't like them or I don't like reading. It's the time thing. I have four kids and a job and a wife and like, where right. am I going to fit this one more thing in? And everybody's like, audiobooks, audiobooks. I know. And I'm trying to do that too. But I listen to an obscene amount of podcasts. So where do I, like, it's all about yeah. the balance and figuring out, you know, where can you fit it? But that's what's beautiful about it is it's done in such a way. And I love the fact that, you know, we have something like the story group. And I think one of the biggest positives that came out of Disney buying Star Wars is Disney's really good at telling stories and they have been for a really long time. And so to bring that to star Wars to me is a win. And so like, like I said, you can go as deep or as shallow as you want. You could be movies only and you're still going to get a great experience. You don't have to have to have read the comics in order to enjoy the movies. Like okay. it adds to it, but you're not missing out. And that's, what's so great. I talk all the time about Mandalorian my mom started watching Mandalorian because baby Yoda is cute. She doesn't care about star Wars in, other than anything else. Or my dad called me and said, I really like that Jedi with the two lightsabers in season two. And I was like, you have no idea how awesome she is. And I wish you could go back and see all these things that I know, but he was just like, she's cool. And that was enough for him. And so that's another yeah. amazing part of uh, certainly the climate that we're in right now and the things that we know that we still have coming up. And again, you get to be a part of that and your book gets to be a part of that. And to me, that's just so special to, again, you, you've put your own mark on Star Wars with 365, with, you know, I love you, I know, with all those other, the things that you get to do. And that has to be, 
you know, you were a fan first and then you got to do those other things. And so it's really just the best of all of it, I would imagine. It is. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel extremely lucky. Like I don't take it for granted. Like every time I get to do something for StarWars.com or Star Wars Insider or anything, like I just really, you know, I mean, I feel like I've worked really hard for it at the same time, but like there's obviously tons of people who, you know, would like to be doing the same thing. And, you know, and I hope sure. that, you know, I, I think that there is a great opportunity because there is so much more Star Wars content and because Star Wars is, you know, such a front and center franchise. Like I love finding new people who are writing about Star Wars online, either in fan mm -hmm. sites or, you know, paid media. Like a lot of times I, you know, and, and podcasts, like mm -hmm. I, you know, a lot of times I would prefer to listen to a podcast from fans or read something on a personal blog than I would on, you know, some of the major entertainment sites because sure. just so ridden by clickbait and, you know, <laughs> yes. headlines and, you know, like the, you know, they're much more worried about getting the clicks and getting the money than they are about, they're not, well, it's not the kind of content that I want to. Right. I I'm totally understand. Interested in it. And I also That's don't right. reward misleading headlines, which is just <laughs> part of the game. Like, and I find that disappointing. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Um, well, the book is about pairings in Star Wars, obviously, and that leads us into our top seven list. And so when I threw this out and you were ready to do it, it was just it made the most perfect sense. And so what we are going to be doing tonight for the live watchers. Oh, that's not it. Um, we're going to count down Amy's top seven Star Wars pairings. She has prepared this list for me and we're just going to run through these. She's going to talk about why she picked each one and we're going to jump right in with number seven if you're ready. And it's one of my favorites. It's an easy one to start off with, but we have R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah. I mean, the most human of characters somehow <laughs> and that they're droids. Uh I, I picked them because, I mean, I feel like you can't, they have to be in a list of, you know, your favorite pairings. I think that they're just the greatest, you know, they're your best friend who annoys the absolute hell out of you, but like, they're still your best friend and you don't really appreciate them until you are separated from them and then, you know, reunited. Um, and I just, I love the, how they have spanned so many of the Skywalker saga movies and, you know, popped up other places. Um, Absolutely. Well, and I think they create such good, the character is amazing and the characters are amazing. And we, you know, I know I joke all the time, but like they're, they're, they're not faces. They're not animated human faces like we're used to seeing in an actor, but there's so much expression in both of them and they add so much to the stories, whether it's the opening scenes of star Wars or the ending scenes of rise of Skywalker and the, you know, I love talking about one of my favorite books is um, Ender's Game and has been for a really long time. And the idea at the end of Ender's Game was that there was what they called a speaker for the dead. And it was the person, you know, it could have been somebody who did a eulogy at a funeral, but in the book, it kind of carried a different weight. And to me, that's R2-D2. R2-D2 is the speaker for the dead. He has mm -hmm. not had his memory wiped. He has been in from the beginning. And what I loved as much as I wanted to see him on an adventure was that he was where he was supposed to be in Rise of Skywalker at Leia's side as she dies and as she as he's carrying out recording what has happened and telling these stories and being a part of that and then three and R two I mean I mean three PO three PO you know that face like when he looks at Leia I think it's in Rise of Sky or in Last Jedi and she says wipe that worried look off your face and you're just like his face doesn't change but you absolutely see the worried look on his yeah. face. Um, it just, 
they're my favorite. R two D two is one of my favorite all time Star Wars characters. Period. Um, but a- as a pairing, even you know they have that you know the odd couple deal that you Absolutely know carries enough. them through all of it, and it, it's so fun and it's such an obvious you know great pairing to start off with. Um, well, number six, let's keep going. Um, Luke and Leia. I mean, it, it, are these people an important pair in Star Wars? Uh, yeah, you know, I love going back in history of uh, Star Wars fandom before people knew that Luke and Leia were uh, brother and sister. And like to see like the little fandom wars and fanzines about people who wanted Leia to end up with Luke and then people who wanted like <laughs> Leia to end up with Han, you know, and then you just got to feel like those people like, you know, Return of the Jedi were like, oh my God, like, why did you do that? Like, I wanted them to end up together. Um, I think that, you know, I have one sibling and she's you know, a sister, uh, but like, I think that, you know, showing a strong sibling bond, showing that you don't have to have grown up together to have a good relationship. I think right. that they, you know, they, they always took each other seriously. They always supported one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, you know, the moments they had in The Last Jedi where, you know, they kind of just acknowledged that things didn't go their way, but like, that's life. Like everyone was doing their best and like, you know, things just didn't, you know, no one was happy with how, you know, things ended. Uh, but, you know, but he was there for her. She was there for yep. him. Um, I just thought that was really, um, really beautiful. I'm so, so glad that we were able to have that moment between Carrie and Mark in The Last Jedi. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's so special. And I think it says exactly in that moment, it said what you had just said right before that, which is they weren't always together. They spent most of their lives apart. But in that moment, the power in Last Jedi to me in those scenes was the little amount that they had to say like the fact that they were there, they were present and they got each other. And of course you could say there's a force connection or there's whatever, but like they were siblings at the, at the core, like they had a connection. And so, you know, eh, the shrug and you know, the little bit and they said everything they needed to say without hardly saying anything. And I think that was so powerful. Me too. Um, well, yeah, that's, I mean, God, that, that, it's so great that that's number six because there's so many other amazing pairings oh, coming after there are that. People who are not on this list too that I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's okay. Th- this is not, there's no judgment in the list. It's absolutely not favorite child. It's more like these are the ones that I went with. So number five brings us, gosh almighty, two of my favorites easily top, top, top. We have Hera and Kanan. I mean, I could write a dissertation on Hera and Kanan and the ghost crew, but please tell love us them. about Hera and Kanan. Oh my God, just love them. I think that something I would like more of in Star Wars is to show healthy couples. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Whether or not, like, you know, just like healthy romantic relationships that don't always, you know, involve death. And I know that Kanan <laughs> obviously died, spoiler for, you know, <laughs> several years behind, but, um, their relationship was just so moving, especially I like I'm married, I'm happily married and like mm-hmm. seeing them together. Uh, like I know that they, you know, apparently, you know, I guess in canon wise, they just didn't say they loved each other until, you know, right. near the end, but you knew that they did. They knew that they did. Um, I really just, you know, the, fa- the, the found family aspect of Star yes. Wars Rebels I think is the reason why that show will always be a huge favorite among Absolutely. a lot of Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think, I mean, I, a lot of other people have said it too. Like, I mean, you want to see some good relationships. Like yes. you want to see some people who are just in love and not, you know, constantly traumatized. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's, and you, you hit the nail on the head with the found family aspect of it. I mean, I came, you know, growing up with the eras of Star Wars that I did when the Clone Wars cartoons came out, it really, I wasn't above it. It just wasn't my thing. And so I didn't really watch them. And I was way, way, way into adulthood by the time Rebels came out and I had kids and a wife and a job and all that stuff. But at some point I started watching it and I was hooked right away. And I have maintained for a long time that it is some of my favorite Disney era Star Wars storytelling period. The lore, the Jedi story, like everything about it to me is so, so good. And I've seen it several times, but even watching it now, because when I watched it that first time, like there were the little moments of like Hera calling Kanan love. And I live in the South and people call each other honey, baby, sugar all the time. And so it didn't necessarily ping. And we got later into those last seasons and you went, oh, oh, wait, like they love each other and you kind of knew it. And then all of a sudden it became a thing. But now rewatching it with my daughters and, you know, we're into season two right now from the very first time and first or second episode when I was like, oh, they've been together the whole time. And it just (laughs) became that much more obvious as I continue to rewatch it. And like you said, I've been married for 16 years now and like I see so much of me and my wife and aspects of their relationships and like, really, you thought that was going to work? Good job. You know, like it's a very real, it's a very real relationship, which I think is what makes it so special. Totally agree. Yes. Um, so I, I like I said, I could write a dissertation about rebels alone, but we're going to keep this moving and we're going to jump into number four, which is Han and Leia. I mean, again, another classic, classic star Wars relationship. Tell us about this one. So this is really, uh, I mean, for me, the Han and Leia, like when I was a kid, I just thought that their whole dynamic, especially in the the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I think that that's how I like, I felt (laughs) like, I think, I feel like that's literally how I felt relationships worked. (laughs) Or like, it's like a little, you know, like it's always a little bit dangerous to like, you know, like get your, your lessons in love from, you know, fictional (laughs) space operas. But like, I just thought like they were kind of like the first romantic pair that I was just like, oh my God, I love them. They're perfect. Like they're amazing. Um, And you know, like I used to joke with someone that I was like, you know, when I was younger, like I had a crush on Mark Hamill, but then when I got a little bit older, like I had a crush on him about Harrison Ford, Uh, you know, like we're just not seeing anything from Mark Hamill because he's, you know, he's, he's doing quite well. But you know, I think that like that relationship when I was, you know, a teenager, like kind of like understanding about love and stuff like that, like sure. it was all Han and Leia, like, you know, just it was a great dynamic. And I thought it was interesting how the sequel trilogy kind of, you know, showed them still loving each other, but not being together. Right. Um, I think it's also, you know, relatable, but it always showed, you know, the love, you know, the love mm-hmm. between them. But for me, right. like, when I picked Han and Leia, like it was for sure as you have here, I couldn't agree more. And I think about, and like you said, I don't know what kind of damage it did to me early in my formative years <laughs> watching these relationships, but there are a few lines in all of star Wars, but especially even in empire strikes back, which is my all time favorite movie period end of sentence. 
than this actual scene right here where she says, would it help if I got out and pushed? And he said, it might. Like, <laughs> I felt that in my soul. And like, I had loving parents who are still married to this day, almost 50 years later. And like, I saw aspects of that relationship. And it was that, again, it was very real. It was very connected. And I think following that through line and exactly what you said for me in Force Awakens, one of the most powerful parts of that entire film was when they reunite on um, whatever Maz's planet is. I'm blanking on the name. Um, Oct no, that's where Luke was. Takodana. Anyhow, Takodana, that's it. When they're on Takodana after that battle and they you know, see each other and it's clear they haven't seen each other in a while. The love has never been gone, but when she said, you know, they both, we both went back to what we knew. Like there was a very human, real moment in that where they're like, yeah, things got bad. The honeymoon was over. We lost our son. And I went back to being a general and I went back to being a scoundrel because that's who we were at our core and we knew it and it didn't change how we felt about each other, but that was how they knew to cope. And I think that's a very real world moment. Totally. And I think with both, uh, Hera and Kanan with Han and Leia, like their romances are epic. They are epic couples, but they yes. didn't get lost in the couple. Like they didn't right. lose their identities in the couple. That's right. They didn't stop what, they didn't give up stuff that meant a lot to them. That's right. Save the relationship. They really did kind of put themselves first and, you know, like really remained their, you know, they remain individuals, which I think is extremely important um, I've been married almost as long as you. I think it'll be six years <laughs> in a couple months. But uh, like, I think that that's really important to you know. It is, and it's and it's one of those things. It's one of those things where they didn't lose their identity, but it also didn't change how they loved each other. And that was, you know, that's a very fine line to walk. And like you said, you know, in in Rebels, you see that when. Hera makes a military decision or Leia makes a military decision. It doesn't change the, how they love their person, but they had to do what they had to do. And it's I mean, love, like love is messy and it's filled that's with right. horrible choices. And sometimes you only have two horrible choices and you just have to choose the one that you feel like is less horrible, less horrible. Um, no doubt. No doubt. Well, that, I, again, we could go for hours just on these two, but let's jump into number three and we have cheer it and bays. Oh man. <laughs> another another amazing i'll even say love story even if it's not romantic love there is a brotherly I, love in this story that is so powerful yeah so i really i love 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 rogue one probably i'm not i'm not a big ranker but if i was ranking the disney films i might actually rank that above any of the other ones um just because i mean i was just completely blown away by so many of the relationships in that movie sure. this whole book like <laughs> But I was brainstorming the book that way more Rogue One than we could fit in. <laughs> uh, but like I like I would have like like I didn't have to fight really to get any of these couples in, but I would have absolutely fought to get Shrew and Bays in, whether you see them as just friends or whether you see them as a little bit more, which I kind of right. do. Uh Absolutely. like I think that their relationship on screen was so wonderful and so dynamic and it was funny and it was moving and just, you know their relationship was a huge part of the reason why I love that movie so much. And, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like if I can get a, a, always into that movie without crying, it really doesn't go beyond <laughs> their last moments. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, and it has, it has that, you know, we talked about the odd couple with R2 and 3PO, 
you know, there's a little bit of odd couple. There's a little bit of old married couple. You know, when that big showdown in the courtyard, when Bays finally ends it, he's like, you could have shot me. And, you know, it's just that whole thing of like, what are you doing? Like, you could have right. hit me. Or, you know, this one, he says, I go where, what are you doing? I go where he goes. I'm just here. I'm, you know, we have this deal. We have this symbiotic relationship. Um well, Whatever my, level it is, quote, which I think is the quote in the book. I'll have to look, but I think it's the quote in the book. He's like, you know, like, I don't need luck. I have you, which to me, <laughs> yes, like, I mean, come on. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a great, that's a winner, <laughs> great winner of a quote. Uh, no doubt. No, Bayes and Chirut are, you know, easily up there. And I agree with you even, you know, I try not to rank either because I, I look, what do you, what's your favorite Star Wars? Star Wars. That's my favorite Star Wars. Um, but Rogue One, there's so much about Rogue One that is so good. Um, so as we move on to number two, we have Ray and Finn. This is a very appropriate addition to the list for sure. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I, Ray means so much to me because, you know, that moment. I mean, this is like a total cliche, but it is literally true. That moment in The Force Awakens in the forest when she reaches for the lightsaber and it flies into her hand. Was yes. literally what ten-year-old Amy had been wanting, you know, since 1983. Like to see, <laughs> you know, that's what I had been imagining. Um, but I, I, I mean, honestly, like if I, you know, again, it comes down to like ranking and who is your favorite and stuff like that. But like, if I had to choose who my favorite sequel trilogy character was, it, it really might be Finn. I love Finn. I'm desperate for more Finn stories. Yes. Yes, please. Um, and I love their relationship. Like, I swear, if you just zoom through the sequel trilogy and only watch the scenes of Ray and Finn, like, it's worth it because it really just solidifies this amazing relationship between the two of them. And mm -hmm. I love how they just, you know, they both of them had horrible childhoods. Yes. Neither one of them had any reason to be a nice person whatsoever they all would have been you wouldn't have blamed them for being bitter um or you know not caring about other people and that connection like and that moment in the force awakens when finn says like you looked at me like no one ever had before like huge i love that and when you know when they are reunited both on star killer base and especially when they're re reunited on crate like if there's a better hug in cinema than a <laughs> hug in Crate, like, I don't know what it is. I haven't seen it. Uh, and so, you know, and I, I, now that we know that, you know, Finn is force sensitive and now that Ray has really kind of, you know, taken on the mantle of, you know, being a, you know, a Jedi her own way, like I would, I would be so thrilled if in any form of, you know, book or film or comic or whatever, if we could learn more about, their journey together. Uh, Without a doubt. I just really like, I can't, I can't, I just cannot even tell you how much I love him. <laughs> the, the tease, the tease in the Lego, the tease in the Lego holiday special wasn't enough. <laughs> we, we know, we know that she's training him, but that's technically not really canon. We need the right. real thing. And I'm with you yeah. completely. Um, yeah, it just, and it's, and it's such, you know, you said it already, horrible childhood it's the found family even ratcheted up even more because, you know, they were both in these terrible, terrible places and they found each other, but like automatically had this connecting, you know, I love the scenes in force awakens right when they get on the Falcon and they're like finishing other senses. Holy crap. That was amazing. How did you do that? How did you like, like it was that natural, like when you meet a friend in real life, 
and you're like, I've only known you for five minutes, but you're my person. Like I know it right. and they knew it, you know, they had well, that connection. And I love seeing relationships that where men and women are friends and it's not necessarily romantic. And I have mm -hmm. to say immediately after that, that I think it's great when people ship them. Like, I think that that is great. I think it's fine when people ship, you know, it's great when people ship like Ray and Ben. For sure. Um, like, I think all of that is great. Like, I, you know, like, I think it's great when people have these relationships and, you know, want whatever, you know, like they want. But for me, it was really great to see, you know, them as a friendship. Although it's funny because my daughter yeah. is, she's a bit of a rebel, like one of yours and like, doesn't want to see, like, she's like, well, my mom thinks Star Wars is cool. Therefore, I think <laughs> suck. <laughs> but she's watched a lot. Of, like I think that I think that uh, the Rise of Skywalker is actually the only one. I she was old enough that I was like, I'm not gonna. You know, you can stay home alone. You're old enough to stay home alone. I'm not gonna force right. you to go to this movie. <laughs> um, with the Last Jedi, I got her in because uh, Porgs. Like Porgs, yes. literally. Like she agreed to go see that. She likes Chewbacca a lot, and so that got I her. I have in no problem with that. Movie. Yeah, but like she wasn't in the mood to see the Rise of Skywalker, but like she had heard that there was a kiss, and she was she was hilariously like she was like, well, it was Finn, right? I mean, like she was, <laughs> she's like, you know, like I would. You know, she like, knows enough to need to see this through to the end somewhere yeah, she, along the line. Just, like what happened? I'm like, well, you'll have to see the movie, like because it does make sense who she kisses, but it's not Finn. So. <laughs> but it's not who you think it is. Yep. So. Well, excellent. Well, let us jump into number one. This has been an amazing list and we're going to wrap it up with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Duchess Satine. I'm I, so excited to hear you talk about this. I am such a sucker for uh, forbidden love. Like I'm not a huge romance person, but like, like that is the thing that I'm always like drawn to. Like I read a lot of Edith Wharton when I was growing up. <laughs> I feel like those kinds of storylines, if you're not familiar with Edith Wharton is like, we love each other, but because of class or because of station or because of circumstances, we can't be together. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why I love that so much because it's very tragic, but uh, I love that. I love getting to know, I love Kenobi as a character, one of my very yes. favorite Star Wars characters. Um, I love that the leader, the first leader of Mandalore that we see is a woman and that she's passive. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. when you like look back at it, like I always think that that's such a surprising kind of, you know, decision um, to get that kind of backstory, you know, with Obi-Wan, um, I just thought was really fascinating because, you know, I feel like when you start off with, you know, Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan, like, you know, he had some like, you know, humor to him and stuff like that. But like, you can really think like, it was interesting. It made him a more human character. Like he wasn't like a perfect kind of Jedi. Um, right. who just was constantly like trying his best, but everything was going wrong. I mean, cause Kenobi is such a tragic character to me. No doubt. Which is one of the reasons why I'm like excited well, to see the Kenobi series. I'm like, more <laughs> tragedy, you know? That's right. Well, and I have to say again, the vibe of Obi-Wan Kenobi, when we see him in New Hope, when we see him in Attack of the Clones, half the time he's like, I'm going to go get a drink at the bar. You figure this out and let me know. I'm like, this is my guy. I'm totally here for this. But I think that, you know, I think it was interesting to kind of see, I think it was interesting, especially for Anakin to kind of see like, oh, I'm not the only person who's fallen in love. Like, you know, like there are all these, you know, like it's, it's a human thing. And it kind of, you know, I think that I really have enjoyed a lot of the High Republic books and comics. And one of the reasons is because there's such a diversity in like the, the kinds of Jedi that they are and the, what they're going through. And they talk about, you know, like attraction and love and stuff like that, too. And like, I think that it's it's nice to see Jedi as 
you know, you, you don't want to just see them as like pristine warriors who like aren't human and are robots and don't get connected to anything. And I right. think that for for Kenobi and you know those scenes, you know, with with Satine, I thought that they just did a perfect job of um, bringing those two characters, uh, bringing those two characters to life, learning more about Kenobi, understanding more about Mandalore. Uh, and I, I totally like am kind of obsessive about, about anything that has to do with Mandalore history now, especially after the Mandalorian has come out. But um, I really like to me, I just really love that. So I'm definitely on the train of like you know give us that backstory somewhere at some point, sure. you know, Star Wars. Uh, well, I I th it, uh, like, I feel like it's a lot of pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, That's right. Somebody's got to do it, but they've got to do it the right yeah. way. And to um, me, it was kind of, you know, a surprise. It was, just, it was just a surprising, you know, a surprising relationship. Oh, for sure. And, and I think you're right. The storytelling aspect of it is it sets up, even more of what we know about Anakin and Padme and the forbidden nature of that relationship. But even for me, it informs all the way down the line to when we get to Luke in the last Jedi talking about the failures of the Jedi and, you know, the hubris and the thing we thought it was this and we were going to, you know, they were blinded to so much and there are so many aspects of, you know, maybe they should have opened themselves up to romantic relationships in order to, see the galaxy differently. You know, God knows love changes us and makes us see the world in different ways. What could that have done for the Jedi order? What could that have done? Yeah. Well, and I think it's fascinating with, with Kenobi, like he made so many sacrifices yes. over his life to like, go take care of Luke, like to not like not go with Satine and like be with her. So like all of the, you know, like just give up his entire life as a Jedi, like, you know, and there's so many sacrifices and like, you know, didn't tell Luke the truth, like right away. Like, you know, I don't think that all of these decisions were necessarily the right decisions, but they clearly were the ones that he felt was the right, right. decision. I think that's super, super relatable that you can go down a path where you're trying your best and you're doing what you think is the right thing to do. Maybe it's not, but like, but that's where you ended up. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's all, you know, very, it's it's fascinating and i think that you know i feel like we're really going to get to know the kenobi character even more in this new show and i just cannot wait for it i can't either i'm so excited about that and i love you and mcgregor's obi-wan i'm so and, and i love the excitement he has to want to come back and do it Absolutely. and that just you know makes it that much better well that is a fabulous top seven list i think we did an excellent job of counting down the ones that you picked i'm going to put you on the spot for one thing normally i pick some extras of my own that the guests didn't pick um and i didn't do that this week but what I, are you watching bad batch i am yes okay so I'm going to make you pick on the spot. Who is your ideal Bad Batch pairing? Is it Omega and Hunter? Is it Omega and Wrecker? Because, of course, he had the softy moment to give right. her her room. Who Who is your ideal pairing for Omega? Omega, as we like to say. Yeah, that's hard because Wrecker is my favorite Bad Batch uh, person. Uh, but I think it's probably Hunter. I think it's probably okay. Hunter and Omega. I think that, you know, I'm a sucker for like a dad kind of daughter kind of, you know, story. And I just love, mm -hmm. you know, like how expressive the animation and, you know, the voice work is like with Hunter where he's just like, Ugh, you know, like. Yeah, it's so good. And like, <laughs> so like good. I said. It's so relatable if you're, you so know. So relatable. That episode when they went and saw Cut and Sue and they were outside their house and Omega got outside the fence and Hunter freaked out. And cut had the dad moment and he was like, 
yeah, I don't know how to do that. Like I was sitting there going, I've been there. Like I'm a dad and I have kids and I've yelled at them and went, I shouldn't have handled it that way. Like that was so real. And so, and I'm sitting there going, it's an animated show and it's hitting me deepest in my feels about exactly that. And I think you're right. You know, Hunter, he feels that pull, he feels that call, but it's so, it's just so well done. And I don't expect anything different because it's star Wars and it's Filoni and it's all, you know, these people, but um, I'm really enjoying it, especially for, and I've said this too many times, but you know, I like clone wars. I've come to clone wars late. I used it as a reference material for something that happened in rebels that I went, Oh, I need to go back and watch the clone wars episodes about that. Or I need. And so eventually got the whole picture when season seven of clone wars came out, I was really just there for Ahsoka and Maul. Like get me through these other parts, the four first four with the bad batch. I was like, that's fine, but I didn't care. But within the first 10 minutes of the first episode of bad batch. And of course, young Caleb had a lot to do with that, but like I am whole hog in on the bad batch. Like I'm excited every week. It's tomorrow. I'm excited yeah, to I mean, get to see that. Really good. You mean it's two days ago, right? <laughs> two days ago. That's right. It was two days ago. And that thing that happened, that thing that happened, that's right. It blew my mind. Um, but yeah, like I'm so excited. Really, really well done. It, it, it really, and even the animation style, and this is what I noticed in that episode, in the previous episode, the chase with Phoenix Shand and like the smoke and like, the animation style keeps getting better and better. Like it's mm-hmm. really blowing my mind. Like it's so vis- visually beautiful to look at. I it just, I love everything about it. Totally. Absolutely. Well, Amy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to hang out, to talk about star Wars, which obviously you're good at doing. Um, and <laughs> I, I hope that you have enjoyed yourself and I would love for you to tell everybody where they can find you online, where they can find you on Twitter. If you have anything that you're working on or coming up besides the book, we want everybody to go buy the book. Um, I love you. I know lessons in love and friendship. There it is. Um, It's a very long, but it's a good title and it hits, it gets to the point. Um, So tell us everybody, you know, what you've got coming up or what you're working on or where we can find you. Sure. Well, so 365starwars.com is my website. And uh, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter. Um, my, I'm much more active on my personal account um, at Amy Rickow, but I also have an account um, at 365 underscore Star Wars, where if you just want to get kind of, you know, like the, the first look at the stuff that I put on the site, that's like the easiest place to go. Um, and I, you know, I'm continuing to write for StarWars.com. Uh, continuing to write for Star Wars Insider. I have some interviews that I'm very excited um, that will be coming up later this year. Um, I was hoping I was going to be able to tell you something else, but I can't. Uh, but there is something <laughs> I'm, there is something that I'm working on that I'm very excited about, uh, but awesome. I can't talk about it yet. And just honestly saying that, is a gift. <laughs> that, well, we will we will take it, and I'll tell you what: when we get close to that big thing, and you can talk about it more, we'll get you to come back, and we'll talk about it again. Yeah, that so would be I, so I'm fun. very excited about something, and it's very close that I think I could talk about Love it, it, but I can't talk about it now. Well, we definitely uh, don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but yeah, but well, I, I, you know, I hope that people get the book and enjoy the book because uh, it was it was sure fun writing it. Absolutely. Well, we will, I will put the links for all of that stuff in the show notes. We'll make sure everybody can find you. We'll put your Twitter handle and all that stuff in there as well. 
I can't thank you enough for coming to hang out tonight. It has truly been a pleasure. We have enjoyed talking to you and I love getting to hear your story. I love the stuff that you're doing and I look forward to continuing to follow you and see what all those new projects are because I will be right there to buy them, get them and read them and be involved with it. To everybody who is watching us on Sunday night, watching the live feed, I hope you have enjoyed the show. Thanks so much for hanging out. If you're listening to the audio version, Thanks for doing that. And if you didn't know, there is a video version of this podcast. We exist on youtube.com slash podcast of the wills. Check us out there. Subscribe. You can hit the little bell so that you know when we go live. We are found everywhere else. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Wills Pod. I try to keep up with all of that. Twitter is usually the best way, but we're getting there. We're getting a little bit better every time. So thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to the show. And until we are together again next time, may the force be with you always. Thank you.